Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. This week, we focus on Jesus' role as King. The centuries leading up to his birth have been, had been filled with eager anticipation of a new king, greater even than David, who would rule his people with justice and who, who would subdue all enemies. And in the, fulfillness, uh, in the fullness of time, he came, this great king, But the way he came, the life he led, and especially the death he died, caused so many to miss it. But a king he was and is. With the Virgin Mary, we hear that the king has come and and that his rule will never end. Luke 1, 26-38 says, "In In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We light these candles with the assurance that our king has come and will assuredly come again. Let us pray. O God of Elizabeth and Mary, you visited your servants with news of the world's redemption and the coming of the Savior. Make our hearts leap with joy and fill our mouths with songs of praise that we may announce glad tidings of peace and welcome Jesus, the King, in our midst. Holy Father, you have given us a sign of your love through the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King, who was promised from ages past. We believe, as Joseph did, the message of your presence whispered by an angel and offer our prayers for your world, confident of your care and mercy for all creation. Ever faithful God, through prophets and angels, you promised to raise up a holy child who would establish a kingdom of peace and justice. Open our hearts to receive your son, that we may open our doors to welcome all people as sisters and brothers and establish your kingdom in our time. Amen. Today's reading is from Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
and his mercy is for those who, who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. The grass withers and the flower fades. All right. Good morning. Merry, well, no, it's Merry Christmas Eve. We need a, we need a response to happy expected longings. Joel, where is he? All right. Uh, so by next year, we're going to have a, a liturgical response to happy expected longings. But we, we need to make it like refuge style. So you have a year uh, from midnight tonight. You have a year to, no, actually not. You have 11 months uh, to come up with um, a response to that. Cool? All right. I can tell you guys are going to take that very seriously. Uh, I hope everybody is doing well and excited. Um, and uh, kiddos, you're going to stay in here this morning. I will tell you, we, have, we do have uh, tots through twos back here, and it, that, can, that can be plus, a little generous, but I'm going to be quick, uh, and I promise I'm going to be quick. Um, so uh, if, if you need to, you can, but we all, it's going to be crazy, and then kids, you actually get to come up here uh, at the end, um, and, uh, and we're going to have a little reading um, for you guys, so you'll get to come up and stay away from the fire, uh, and come up here, and yeah, all right. Um, so I am, uh, just about ready for Thanksgiving. Uh, did December fly by for anybody? Does it, I, I mean, it moves faster and I don't know if that's age. Uh, and even though we try to like, and I, and, and I know there's some mumbling and grumbling about, can we just do Christmas season? Why we got to do Advent? Why we got to wait? But come on, it's not like we're waiting that long. It just seems to keep going and moving really fast. Um, but today is Christmas Eve, um, and uh, and as just a little announcement, this is our this is our our regular Sunday morning gathering. But this is also going to function as our Christmas Eve gathering. Uh, in years past, when I was able to stay up uh, till uh, eleven forty at night, we would have a midnight service, and uh, we, we'd have a, just a handful of people. And some people even did uh, like they do the Facebook. We'd start at eleven, and then. There was something, uh, I don't know if, if people, if we have, how many people we have that used to be here when we met in the park. We used to meet in, in Blanchette Park. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but one guy that I knew from the community, he was like, dude, that's awesome. You meet in a park? And I was like, why would he think that's awesome? And I was like, oh, we meet in a building in the park. And he's like, oh. <laughs> All right. Um, Anyway, uh, but it just, there was just something about walking out of the service, getting close to midnight. And I don't know if anybody else knows this, there's just, and, and I don't, like, not to be like overly magical or anything like that, but just walking out on a Christmas Eve, walking out late at night, there is something that is, there is, it just feels like uh, a peace in the air. Um, there is something that happens, and it, it might just be the liturgy of our, of our world, even a consumer-driven world, but there is something that, that feels tangible around this time of year when we celebrate um, Christmas. 
uh, there are legends told, there's a legend told of, of, a, of a truce in 1914 during World War I uh, that took place uh, where on, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and actually soccer matches broke out uh, between uh, armies that were fighting each other and shooting at each other the day before and the day after. Uh, World War II, though, there's not as many stories. You don't hear anything about a Christmas truce that would take place, uh, a ceasefire that might have taken place uh, on Christmas Day during World War II. However, there are a few random stories that have been told uh, throughout history. One, in, in a 1970s Reader's Digest, uh, a man told the story. His name was uh, Fritz Winken. He was a young German boy. Uh, he was 12 years old in 1944. Uh, and he told one of these stories. After an American offensive had destroyed many of, the, many of the buildings in his hometown, Fritz and his mom moved out to a cottage kind of in the middle of the forest. Uh, and the area that they were living in had become pretty quiet up until about a week before Christmas uh, in a German offensive. And they started hearing the boom of the guns and they started hearing explosions and planes flying by in the middle of the night. And he would say, he remembers even at 12 years old, looking out and you could see flashlights and searchlights piercing the trees, like just darting through the forest at night. And sure enough, on Christmas Eve, they heard a knock at the door, and his mom went to answer the door, and there were three American soldiers standing at the door. One had been very badly wounded, and they, neither one of them spoke, a con spoke each other's language, but they both, both parties could speak kind of a little bit of French, and so they could communicate enough to find out that these soldiers had actually, they had lost their battalion, they had been stuck in the forest for a few days, freezing. This is during the height of the Battle of the Bulge, uh, and saw this cottage and were simply asking for a place of warmth uh, for the night. And so she let them in. She dressed the wounds of the young soldier that was, that was uh, injured, and she began to cook them dinner. And this was a dinner that they had saved up for the anticipation of the return of Fritz's father. And as she's beginning to cook this meal, they hear another knock at the door, and she's simply expecting this is probably another group of American soldiers uh, that, have also, that are also lost. So she opened the door rather quickly to find four German soldiers. Um, now, Fritz and his mother knew full well the price that you would pay for hiding and abetting enemy soldiers. But what, ha what happened, this group of German soldiers had been separated from their regiment, and they asked if they could rest for the night and then begin their search again for their regiment in the morning. And Fritz recalls his mother saying, of course, you can also have a fine warm meal and eat till the pot is empty. But we have three other guests whom you might not consider friends, and this is Christmas Eve, and there will be no shooting here. When asked if she was hiding Americans, Fritz's mother replied, listen, you could be my sons, and so could they. A boy with a gunshot wound fighting for his life and his two friends, lost like you, just as hungry and exhausted as you are. This one night, Christmas night, let's forget about killing. And so eventually, after some coaxing, they all set their arms at the front door 
and sat down at a table, and Fritz recalls as suspicion finally turned toward relaxation. And these were boys. The oldest of this seven was 23. Some of them were 16. And before they ate, at the middle of probably the most violent stage of really almost any war, the Battle of the Bulge, and before they ate, Fritz recalls his mother's prayer as she had tears in her eyes, Come, Herr Jesus, be our guest. The next morning, the soldiers would shake hands and they would return their, to their units to continue the fight. Um, we often talk about peace at Christmas. We talk about peace among those with whom God is pleased. We've been walking through Advent and we've had the theme of wait and remember. Um, and and, and this, what we talk about happening tonight, now it didn't, probably did not happen on December 25th, and that's okay, but what we talk about uh, happening tonight uh, is the fulfillment of those things, the fulfillment of that longing, of that peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which shalom is more than just peace. Shalom... Uh, is it is a wholeness. We talked a little bit about that last year. Peace, when we, when we think in terms of shalom, peace is not simply the absence of conflict. Peace is actually the presence of God. And so the fulfillment of this longing and this waiting is the presence of God. It's not that just all of a sudden people get along and start holding hands and singing joy to the world together. Although that's beautiful. That's a taste. The absence of conflict is part of it. But the presence of God is all of it. God, the God of the universe would enter time and space, would become one of his own creation. That God would, in fact, be with us. Emmanuel. And this is mind-boggling. This is mind-boggling. We hear it every year. We talk about it. We sing happy songs. This is mind-blowing to actually consider this. This would be, uh, this is, in ancient religions, this is heresy. This is ridiculous that a God would humble himself. So let's look at Mary's song here. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Um, one of the reasons that I like to tell things in a different way is because I feel like, and I did this growing up, we can use a lot of religious language, and it just rolls right off the tongue. And we go, yeah, okay, but what does that mean? Well, you know, gospel and stuff. So I don't want us to get used to that. I don't want us to get used to the incarnation. I don't want us to be say, to just be like, yeah, you know, like God became one of us. And, uh, you know, and, and could you pass the olive tray? Uh, God came and dwelt among, among us. And this is astounding in so many ways. The people that God uses to proclaim what he is doing, to proclaim his presence. Um, 
We, you know, we, we know who, the, who are the players. We have the shepherds, right? Social outcasts. We have, uh, we have the wise men, pagan, pagan uh, rich star chasers. Um, it's not the kings. It's not the rulers. It's not the political leaders. It's not the religious leaders. Like, I don't know who we would put in this day, how that would translate of who the players were. And then you have like an ordinary uh, carpenter, and then you have this girl. Not this girl of legend, not this girl that was like a bright shooting star waiting to be found on America's Got Talent. She was absolutely, remarkably ordinary. Nothing about her was extraordinary. She was part of an amazing lineage, but like, kind of. A humble, remarkably ordinary, obscure, faithful, devout, fear, devout God-fearer. And when the God of the universe comes to dwell among us, he chooses her. That's amazing. And she reflects this. Like, hear these words. From now on, throughout history, people are going to call me blessed. This is her response. That's amazing. In verse 50, she continues her song. God's mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. This is a theme that we've been talking about over and over and over again. When Christ ushers in his kingdom, it is a threat to those of us who will die in the defense of our own kingdoms. Right? The kingdom of God is not for those whose hope is in their own kingdom. If our hope is in our own kingdom, we have no need of God. It's not religious affiliation that saves people. It is God, it is the God of mercy who saves the humble. Salvation is for those who know they need saving. Those who wait, those who remember, those who long for the Redeemer, those who mourn, those who hunger, those who thirst for righteousness, they are the ones who will be filled. They will be fed. I think maybe the, the biggest passage that we, could, that we could remember often and bring to mind that God resists the proud. He resists the arrogant, which, by the way, knows no denomination, no political affiliation, no proud and arrogant. We are, we are an abundant group right? Knows no social economic class. God resists the proud and the arrogant, the self-established, but he gives grace to the humble. To the hungry, Jesus gives the bread of life. To the thirsty, the cup of salvation. And finally, finally, Mary finishes her song, She has helped her servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham 
and to his offspring forever. We've gone through this story the last few weeks. Jesus is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God that he promised to Abraham. Jesus promised, from you will be a people. And then from that people, I will establish a nation. And that nation will have a king who is humble. This is all a foretaste. This is all a picture of what one day is going to be fully. This kingdom of God would be established on earth. Eventually, it will be established as it is in heaven. And of his reign, the reign of the ultimate king, there would be no end. One of the uh, fun debates that the internet ruins every year is the is Mary, Did You Know? All right? I, used to, I used to like that song. I used to appreciate that song. And then the internet does its work, and you're like, would you all please, if you've ever taught your kids not to say shut up, um, I don't want to say that. Uh, <laughs> would you all please refrain from typing? <laughs> First of all, we don't do a great job of picking up on rhetorical devices, right? The song is not a legitimate question, did Mary know, what did she know? It's a rhetorical device to help us think about some things, about who Jesus is, not how much Mary knew. That said, yes, the Lord visited Mary with an angel. Yes, she's got a grasp on things, but if you're telling me she understands everything that's about to take place, you have got to be kidding. Do you ever wonder if Mary watched Jesus throughout his life and thought, why don't people around me understand? Do you ever thought Mary, when she visited the cross, thought, this can't be the way that this is going? How come if this is the king, if this is the one that will establish the kingdom of God forever, why don't people get it? Why don't the religious leaders get it? Why didn't the priests support me in this? Probably because this is mind-blowing. Probably because God never works the way that we have it mapped out in our mind. A baby, a human, not of the elite class, not of the powerful, not for political gain, not for national honor, but for the meek, the humble, a God who has passed through the heavens, who has been tempted in every way as we are, so you're not alone. If you have ever faced temptation, I'm gonna assume that's pretty much everybody. You're not alone. Who has faced temptation in every way that we have faced it, yet without sin. And then we are invited to call him Savior and King. We are invited to trust him. And as we trust him, he works on us to conform us to his image, to make us more like Jesus. So today, as you go on about your day, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what it's like to not have a Christmas Eve service. Uh, so I have no idea what it's like to have a full afternoon not having to prepare for something on Christmas Eve. This is going to be glorious for me. I hope you guys enjoy your day. I'm going to take a nap. Um, and, uh, and then if you go to a Christmas Eve service tonight, or if you walk outside tonight, uh, my, and I don't know, I guess this is a practice, a good practice for today, but to be filled 
with the awe and wonder of what is actually taking place. Listen, I love nostalgia, Americana, Hallmark, all that stuff, right? I mean, uh, the whole joke about Hallmark working on a second plot, I think is brilliant, like for the, all of their movies. Um, I, I, I like the nostalgia, all right? I, this is the one time of year I love Thomas Kincaid paintings. Uh, I love looking, you know, the snowfall riding through. The, the 70 degrees outside throws me, but it's, you know, it's whatever. But don't let the incarnation of Jesus pass you by without being mind blown. Without going, is this bizarre? Think about the words that we sang. Go look at some of the words that we sang this morning. You, that we just sing, and you're like, that's, that's kind of weird. Is it weird? It's weird. This is bizarre. And, and yet, nobody would make this up. Nobody would come up with this. Ancient, ancient leaders would definitely not come up with this. Ancient revolutionaries would not come up with this. So as we go throughout the day, as we end our expectant longings, I don't know if that happens at midnight. Uh, when does that happen? Is this like a, Joel's out of the room. I, he, he needs to come back in. Um, I don't know if that happens at midnight. I don't know when it happens. But as we end expected longings into the fulfillment of Christmas and the incarnation of Jesus, like, let that make you pause for a second. Let that make you take a step back. Let that mess with you. We have waited. We have remembered the faithfulness of God that Christ has come. And then we continue to wait because his promise is that he will return. And so we wait with eager anticipation. All right. Uh, something we started, it's, it's been a few years, kind of been off and on. We don't have a Christmas Eve service tonight, uh, but we're going to do this uh, this morning. Um, this was a tradition at, at my uh, Christmas Eve service. We would always celebrate at my, uh, at my grandparents' house. Uh, my grandpa passed away. It'll be 15 years um, ago this New Year's Eve. That he, would pass, that he had passed away, but we'd all get together in their basement, and all the grandkids would gather around Grandpa, and he would read the King James, Luke 2 account from the giant family Bible, and, um, and if, you know, if you know how that goes, you'll know that there's always kind of a, there's always a stopping point that everybody goes right past. Um, anyway, uh, but my grandpa would read it every year. And then after that, all, all the anticipation, like, then, then we got to tear open the presents. Um, so uh, it's something we started a while ago. So I'm going to have, this, I'm going to call him Grandpa Jeremy. <laughs> but not because he's a grandpa or even close to being a grandpa, but because he has, he has the approachability and lovability and the deep voice of a, of a loving grandfatherly type figure. All right. Dig up, stupid. All right. Uh, you're over here in the, in the yellow chair. Uh, and I'm going to invite uh, it, kids, if you want to come down here, um, we're going to read from uh, the, the, uh, the book that we use for Elevate. What's the name of that? Is that the biggest story, the biggest story Bible? Um, and we have some pictures up there. But kids, if you want to come down to the front, if you want to gather around... Uh, Mr. Jeremy, 
And then after this, we're going to have our final Advent reading. Light the Christ candle. You can come this front way. What do you want? Mine? All right. I got it. Okay. It's fine. All right. Are you ready? Can you see the pictures up on the, yeah? Okay. Can you see the picture behind me? Okay. All right. This is based on Matthew 1. The beginning of the Bible began with, well, a beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first verse in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. The New Testament begins with another beginning, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's the first verse in Matthew, the first verse of the New Testament. Genealogy is a big word that has to do with tracing your family tree. And that's what we see at the start of the New Testament. But here's something special that maybe even your parents or grown-ups may not even know. The word that Matthew used when he wrote this verse is actually the word Genesis. That's right, just like the first book of the Bible. The story Matthew wants to tell is about a new start, a new Genesis, or a new beginning. Except this new beginning is definitely still connected to the old beginning. Jesus didn't come out of nowhere like a baby just fell from the sky because that would really hurt. A baby falling from the sky. He wasn't created by a magic wand or in a science lab. Jesus was a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was from the tribe of Judah in the house of David. He had in his family tree mothers with strange stories like Tamar's, amazing stories like Ruth's, and sad stories like Bathsheba's. Jesus was a real Jewish boy born into a real Jewish family with a real genealogy full of real promises and real people with real problems. Jesus was just like us and unlike us. That's how things work when you're God and man. Jesus was born like boys and girls are born, but his birth was unlike any before or since. Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, but before they had even had a wedding, Mary was pregnant and she was going to have a baby. This didn't seem right to Joseph, and so he had planned to break up with Mary quietly. But before he could do that, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's not done anything wrong. The child within her is from the Holy Spirit. If that weren't enough to make Joseph the carpenter drop his hammer right on his big toe, the angel had more to say. Mary is going to have a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Things were about to happen that people had hoped to see happen for a long time. Centuries earlier, the prophet Isaiah predicted that a virgin would have a son, and he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, a young woman with no earthly way to be pregnant would give birth to a heavenly child. Joseph woke up and did everything the angel told him to do. Mary had a son, and they named him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. This was the perfect name for a perfect Savior and a perfect new beginning to the story God had been writing even before the beginning of time. Okay, let's pray. We thank you, God, for Christmas and for baby Jesus and that you are always with us. What a gift. Amen.
Good job. For our last Advent reading, we will read the Christmas Eve reading. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The season for watching and waiting is over. The people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. This is the light of the world and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Let's pray. Dear God, your faithfulness has been great leading us to this day of celebration. May the glorious light of your steadfast love shine brightly in us and through us, that all may give you praise and glory. In the Savior's name we pray. Amen. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.